0: You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation.
1: Molly, I'm here and ready to tape this episode. Oh, hey, hang on a sec. I'm just putting the finishing touches on our studio setup. You can have a seat right there.
0: On this pile of tissue boxes? Yeah. Where are my headphones?
1: Oh, oh, sorry, under the pile of hankies right here. I was going to stuff these all up my sleeves. Do do you want some?
0: Um, sure. Sure. So, you're sitting on a pile of tissue boxes, too? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and there's more under the table. And are those... More tissues inside the light fixture? Yep. I just wanted to make sure we were prepared for this episode. Questions about tears and crying have been pouring in from our listeners.
2: Hi. My name is Libby Wong from Moraga, California. I'm here with my brother, Elliot. Hi. Hi. And my question is, why do tears come out of your eyes when you
3: cry when you are sad? Hello, my name is Dylan and I live in Tallahassee, Florida. Why do you cry when you're sometimes very
0: happy or you're laughing very hard? My name is Delaney and I'm from Toronto, Canada. Why does pain make people cry instead of some other physical reaction? Hi, my name is Kaya. I'm from Mountain View, California and I'm nine years old. My question is, why do we cry when we're sad? My name is Elizabeth from Cincinnati, Ohio. My question is, why do noses get drippy and start getting runny when eyes get wet when I cry?
1: Hang on to your hankies. We're going to answer all those questions right now.
0: Keep listening. But we're just talking about crying, right? Not actually crying ourselves. Why do you have so many tissues? Uh, They were on sale.
1: You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is another Molly. Hi, 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 Molly.
2: Molly.
1: Molly is 11 years old from Los Angeles. Now, Molly, what made you curious about crying in the first place?
0: So my mom was telling me about this science fiction book where there is a lot about specifically crying and body moisture and it just got me thinking about all of that in general. Do you
1: remember the name of the book?
0: Dune. Oh, Dune. So do you feel better after you cry? Yes, I often do. Sometimes I just feel worse, but usually I feel much better.
1: And have you also cried when you're happy?
0: Um, I don't really cry, but tears can definitely come out of my eyes when I'm laughing really hard.
1: Oh, yes. I have cried many times from laughing so hard. So why, why do you think that we cry?
0: Um, originally, I thought that we might cry as a way to communicate how we're feeling with people that we know. So, like, if we're hurt and we are having trouble making words, they can tell that we're feeling something because we're
1: crying. That is a really good idea. And what, what are some times that you have teared up besides when you're sad or hurt? When I'm really, really tired,
0: I can start sobbing, and it's really annoying because I also (laughs) like to sleep, and it's kind of hard to cry when you're sleeping.
1: When we cry, we produce tears, and tears are really interesting and also really important. When you've cried, you've
0: probably asked yourself the same question that was sent to us by Sam in Chevrolet, Maryland.
1: Why are tears salty? Well, you may have noticed that mucus that comes out of your nose is salty, blood tastes salty, and sweat is salty. And that's just because our bodies are pretty salty. Maybe you've heard the word electrolytes? That's another word for the salt ions that are in our bodies.
0: Tears come out of your body, so they're salty, like us.
1: All tears contain some combination of water, salts, proteins, oil, and mucus. They come from your lacrimal gland.
0: The lacrimal gland is at the top of your eye. From there, tears move across the cornea, or the surface of the eyeball. Then, they usually drain at the lacrimal ducts.
1: Those are located in the corner of the eye closest to the nose. In fact, the lacrimal ducts drain into your nose, which explains why your nose runs when you cry. Of course, sometimes you have too many tears to drain, and they spill down your cheeks.
0: Now, you
1: might be thinking, all tears are pretty much the same, right? Not so. There are three distinct types of tears. Basal tears, reflex tears, and emotional tears. They all help with different things. Like keeping your eyes moist and your vision clear. Or defending your peepers from invaders. So, how did this trio of terrific
2: tear teammates first team up?
1: Well, maybe it was something like this.
2: Hey fellow tears, thanks for meeting me here. As you know, I'm Basal Tears. You can call me Basal Tears.
4: Sure thing. I'm Reflex Tears. Nice to meet you. Yeah,
5: I'm Emotional Tears. We saw the ad you posted online. Tears needed for a super secret project. Sounds mysterious. I like being mysterious. Hey guys, I brought coffee.
6: It's cilantro spiced iced lattes. Yum!
4: Cilantro spice? Is
5: that even a thing? Yeah, sorry Todd. I'm going to have to pass.
2: Say, kid, are you a tear? This is a gathering of tears. Well, I'm not a tear yet, but I want to be. Hi, I'm Todd. Sure. Nice to meet you, Todd. Well, let's get started. I'm looking to form a super team of super tears. As you may know, our fair home, Itropolis, is under constant attack.
4: Yeah, dust, pollen, that drying heat.
5: Not to mention other cities picking on it, making it feel bad, not cool.
6: And fingers! People are always sticking their fingers in Itropolis
2: right guys? Fingers? I guess they could be a problem. Anyway, I want tears with different powers to help protect our precious eyeball home. Now I, basil tears, bring a lot to the table. I'm ever-present across the eye, released in every blink. I keep things moist. I have three layers, a mucus layer to help my wetness hold on to the eyeball, an aqueous or watery layer that actually moisturizes the eye and protects against invasive bacteria, and a lipid or oily layer. I like oil. So slick. That last layer helps keep the others from evaporating and keeps the surface of the eye smooth so its vision is clear. Obviously, I am most excellent and fantastic at protecting Itropolis, but occasionally I could use some help.
4: Oh, wow! I've been waiting for this kind of gig. I think I'm your tier. Whenever Itropolis is attacked by a major irritant like dust clouds or harsh cold winds or Dr. Onion's evil vapors, I flood the place with my reflex tears. Whoosh! They're full of antibodies that fend off evil bacteria. Plus, there's usually a lot of them. They flush things out right away rehydrate the city. Bada-bing! Them. Reflex Tears saves the day.
2: Impressive.
5: My powers are a little more mysterious, but I think I can really help. My tears come out when the city is feeling upset, harmed, wronged, or even sometimes happy. Whatever the trigger, the city is usually all wound up in some way. It seems I help calm things down. How? My powers are mysterious. Scientists and researchers, even I, don't fully understand them. Also, when I flood the city with my tears, it signals to others that we could use some help. Other cities often rally around to comfort us. It helps build bonds so we're stronger in the future. It's a mystical, ancient power that I think could help your team.
2: Most intriguing. Yes, I think you'll fit right in emotional tears. Well, guys,
6: I'm not a tear, but maybe I could be? Like, what if I squirt it out of the eye like a water pistol? Ha! You know, shooting a stream of tears at our enemies like a salty fire hose? That'll teach them. Huh?
5: Um uh, huh? That's weird, Todd.
2: Yeah, that's, um, that's not really what I'm looking for.
6: Okay, how about I'm, like, a hard tear? Like, I come out all rough like a diamond? What's up, enemies? You can't hurt me.
4: Are you crazy? That would scratch the Itropolis's cornea. No way.
2: You know, maybe we're best as a trio. Basil tears, reflex tears, and emotional tears. Protecting Itropolis together. Yeah. yeah! Flushing out evil in the blink of an eye. The three musketeers. Sounds
6: good.
4: Right on!
6: And their sidekick, Todd, the neon yellow tear. Uh, no. Todd, the burning tear made of peppers. Why would you even? The stinky tear. You can smell me coming from a mile away.
4: Just stop.
6: The cheer
2: tear. I come out with pom-poms and I do the splits. You know, Todd, maybe you should try a different city. Perhaps Noseville could use someone with your creativity. Noseville? Yeah. I could be a booger. Todd, the school bus booger. I'm there when you're riding the bus, and you need to flick something at that person. Sure, sure. We've got some planning to do, so why don't you run off to Noseville now and offer your services. In the meantime, tears, let's, let's protect, protect di-
5: So
1: there are three types of tears. Basil... Reflex and emotional. Basal
0: tears are in your eyes all the time.
1: But reflex tears need to be triggered by something. And there's one trigger in particular that our listeners are really, really curious about. My name is Henry from Maple Grove, Minnesota, and my question is, why do
0: onions make you cry? Hello, my name is Joseph. I am from Ireland. And my question is, why do onions make you cry? Brains On producer Mark Sanchez is here with an answer.
7: Ever wonder how the produce section of the grocery store can have a mound of onions, but nobody in the store is crying?
8: If you just hold an onion, you don't cry, you don't produce tears. But when you breach the tissue, when you slice it, for example, then all of a sudden, very shortly thereafter, you start to cry or produce tears. So it turns out that the onion is able, on demand, to produce an agent that is a lacrimator. and a lacrimator is a chemical that induces tear production.
7: That's Professor Rabi Musa. She teaches chemistry at the State University of New York at Albany. And she knows about lacrimators because she studies the ways in which plants use chemicals to defend themselves. And the thing that's happening in an onion that makes us cry is one of these defense mechanisms. When you cut into the skin of an onion, it sets off a pretty cool chain of events. Inside every onion, there's a molecule called isoalion. It's always there, even at the grocery store. When an onion is sliced, the cell that contains isoalion opens up. Next, isoallian quickly comes in contact with an enzyme called alanase. And when isoalion and alanase meet, isoallian is transformed into a new type of molecule called a sulfenic acid.
8: But that's not what makes you cry. It's not the sulfenic acid. The sulfenic acid gets converted by a second enzyme.
7: The lacrimatory factor synthase. Or we can make it easier and call it LFS. That's what most people do. Sulfenic acid combines with the LFS enzyme, which produces yet another type of molecule called a sulfine. And it's here that we have our lacrimator, the molecule that irritates our eyes and makes us tear up. (laughs) Okay, quick review. Isoalien is released when we slice an onion. That combines with the enzyme alanase to form a new molecule called a sulfenic acid, which combines with the LFS enzyme to form another type of molecule called a sulfine, and causes our eyes to produce tears. <coughs> Most of us like the flavor onions add to a dish, so we put up with this onion defense mechanism and shed a few tears. But this defense mechanism really works on other animals.
8: Onions are members of the allium family of plants.
7: Remember that isoallium
8: molecule? Rabbits and things like that, they're not attracted to alliums.
7: Unlike us, animals don't have to cut into the skin of an onion and tear up to know to stay away.
8: The isoallium itself, interestingly, doesn't really have a smell. At least it doesn't really have a smell that's detectable to humans. But it turns out that there's something that's being produced by the plants before the tissue is breached that alerts deer and other animals to the fact that it's really not going to like the chemicals that are in that plant. And so they don't eat it.
7: Since we do eat it, I wanted to see if there was a way to chop onions without crying. The internet is full of tips for no-tier onion slicing. Chew gum, hold a piece of bread in your mouth, wear goggles, bite on some matchsticks, freeze the onion, run it underwater, all sorts of stuff. So I wanted to try a few of these out with a professional. I visited Chef Ann Kim at her restaurant, Young Joni, in Minneapolis. She also owns a pizza restaurant called Pizzeria Lola, and she told me that between the two restaurants, they go through 50 pounds of onions per week. Ann popped a couple of matchsticks in her mouth with the tips facing out.
9: Anyway, it's gonna be hard to talk, but I'm just gonna cut this down. Maybe I'll try dicing this one.
7: Okay, yeah, it'll release a little bit. Yeah,
9: release a little bit, yes. What'd you call that? Lacrimator. Lacrimator? Yeah. Okay. It's not horrible when I do one onion, but if I do more than one, but right now I'm getting no effect.
7: Anne told me that she'd seen one of her chefs trying the match trick before, and it didn't really work for him. But today, maybe. Next, I had Ann try chopping a yellow onion while chewing on a piece of bread.
9: To put the bread in my mouth?
7: Yeah. Just put it in your mouth. All right. And... <laughs>
9: I'm not going to talk.
7: You, you don't have to eat the whole thing.
9: Okay. All right. All right.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
7: Okay, we're dicing this, this half of uh, uh, yellow onion.
10: Yeah. Are
9: you crying? I'm not crying. Mm-hmm. I'm actually
7: fine. Still no tears, but it was at this point that I looked around the kitchen. It's a big open space with tall ceilings, and there's an enormous ventilation system sucking out any smoke and bringing fresh air back into the restaurant. This reminded me of another onion chopping trick I read about. Cut your onions by a fan. I was standing right next to Anne without matches or bread, and I wasn't tearing up either. Maybe Ann's ventilation system was pulling those pesky sulfines away from our eyes. We had one more tip to try, the goggles, and one more onion.
9: So red onion, huh?
7: Yeah. It does look a lot nicer.
9: Yeah, it's pretty. It is. They say to, for optimum health, you should eat the rainbow, oh, meaning right. vegetables, right, right, right. colors, because if you eat things that are just white, Bland. you're eating <laughs> white bread, sugar, you know, refined things, whereas kale and, uh, ooh. Oh, you're getting Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so the goggles worked for the, yeah, but all of a sudden, yeah, ooh. There's something about this red onion that as I was even talking to you, when I just sliced it in half, I got this whiff of like, it. Hit my, what do you call those? Uh, my Lac-
7: lacrimal glands.
9: Try Lacro- to say that five glands. times really fast.
7: Sure,
9: it's uh- <laughs> easy. Lacrimal glands. Uh, so, sh- shall I continue slicing? Yeah, let's onions? see. I want
7: to I wanna tear up.
9: You want to tear up? Okay.
7: <laughs> there are a few tips that can help you not to tear up while you slice onions in a non ventilated area like your family's kitchen. Make sure your knife is sharp. If not, you'll end up opening more of the cells that release the isoallium. And running the onions under cold water will help slow down the reaction. Same goes for sticking them in the fridge or freezer for about 15 to 30 minutes before chopping. If you have a tip for no tear onion chopping, send it on over to us. We're at hello at brainson.org.
1: Time to mop up those tears and get your ears ready. It's time for the Mystery Sound. Here it is. Okay, that one's really short, so let's hear it one more time. Okay, Molly, any guesses? Wow, that's a hard one. So is it like a
0: horse, like, freaking out about something? Or maybe like a chicken?
1: Excellent guess. So you think it's an animal of some sort? Or maybe it's like turning a faucet that's really squeaky. all excellent guesses. We will be back with the answer later in the show. We are making an episode all about plants and it got us thinking. What if a plant was running for president? What should the plant presidential campaign slogan be? Maybe something like, "You like oxygen? Think outside the boxogen and vote for plants." Okay, I'm sure yours will be better than that one. So, send them to us at brainson.org/contact. Your questions and
0: curiosity power Brains On. So, if you have a question, or a mystery sound, or just an idea for us, you can email it to us anytime at hello at brainson.org.
1: Just like Quinn who sent us this question.
0: Why do you sweat when you get nervous?
1: We'll be back with the answer at the end of the show during our moment of um, and we'll also have the latest installment of the Brains on a roll. Keep listening.
0: You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly. And
1: I'm
7: Molly. Oh. Molly, Molly, Bobale, Banana, Fana, Fofale, Me, my, Mo, Molly, Molly.
1: Okay, then. We're wide awake now and talking all about tears. But what about tears caused by our emotions? Now, Molly, you originally got in touch with us about this very topic. What was the question you wrote in with?
0: Why do your feelings control the amount of water your body gives off? For example, when you're sad, you cry, and when you're nervous, you get sweaty. I love that
1: question. We'll get into the second part of that question about sweat during our moment of um at the end of the show. But first, we want to delve into the tears that we produce emotionally. To find
0: out more about why and how tears are driven by our emotions. We're joined by Lauren
1: Bilesma. She's a clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh.
0: Why do we produce tears when we're sad and not just vocal cries?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, researchers are really still trying to figure this out. Um, But it's thought that our visible tears evolved from animal vocal cries. So originally, um, animals had vocal cries to try to get help from the parent, or alert others from danger. And then or darn our evolutionary history these developed into visible tears and it may be because this provided like a really good signal to others nearby that someone was in need of help or support but without alerting predators that they're there because if you cry you're more likely to get attacked by some other predator in the the environment and some more recent research has shown that having tears on a sad face so if you compare sad faces with and without tears people are more likely to realize that that person's sad and more likely to feel like they want to help that person so so it seems that they might have evolved for that reason. And um and humans too have really complex facial muscles and when the facial muscles contract when you feel like crying, that might have been what produced the um the liquid tears at some point in our evolution history.
0: So do other animals
3: cry? So other animals have tears to protect their eyes, but it's thought that they don't experience emotional tears. There have been some isolated like case studies that, that some people say mean that other animals cry, like in dogs or elephants or things like that. But these reports haven't been like verified scientifically. So if it does occur occasionally in animals, it seems to only be really rare or isolated cases and not something that happens on a regular basis. Mm,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. Why do we cry when we feel strong emotions in general, not just
3: sadness? Yeah, that's a really, you have a lot of really good questions. So um, it, it, for based on our research, it seems that crying occurs just after the peak of a really intense emotional experience. So it doesn't seem to matter like what kind of emotion it is. It could be happy. It could be sad. It could also be other emotions like anger or frustration. Um, and it seems like the crying might be a way that our body helps us regulate and respond to different types of emotions. So basically, your body gets more um, arousal when um, right before you cry, which means basically basically like your heart rate's increasing, um you might be breathing more, like those kind of things. And then we notice when people um when we're measuring those things when people cry, like right after they cry, those things start to decrease. Like your heart rate might decrease, your breathing rate might decrease like right after crying. And then there's also like indirect effects, like receiving social support from the environment. So a lot of our research shows that um, people don't feel better when they cry unless they also are in a supportive social environment. So it could be an indirect effect, like you cry. And if you're around supportive people, they see that you're crying and then they comfort you or they help you deal with whatever the problem is and your emotions improve as a result. So there's a couple of different um, things that could be happening there. And then there's one other part is um, a cognitive part, which is that when you cry, if we Forces you to pay attention to the thing that made you cry, and it might help you reach like a new um, cognitive understanding of that or process your emotions about that. So that could be um, another way that crying might help.
0: Why do we get that feeling like a lump in our throat that hurts when you're, we're about to cry?
3: Part of that is that when our body is having a really intense emotional reaction, we experience um, an increase of blood flow in our body to help us respond to that, and also an opening of what's called the glottis, which is like where all those vocal folds are in the throat. So this allows our lungs to get more oxygen, and the whole idea is that it's it's preparing our body to respond to something stressful in the environment. And feeling like a lump in your throat can also increase because you're trying to hold back your tears, Um, because then your body is also struggling, like when you swallow, it's trying to the glottis while the rest of your body is trying to open it so your body's kind of like in a battle with itself so that could cause that like lump-like feeling
0: that's really cool i didn't know that why does pain make us cry? Is it an emotional reaction or a reflex one?
3: I think we're not entirely sure on the answer, but I think a lot of it has to do with the emotion. So when you're experiencing um, pain, you might feel like really overwhelmed and hopeless, like you're unable to make the pain stop. And those type of really intense emotions can cause the, the crying. But it is possible that there's also like a reflex there too, but um, that hasn't really been studied. So we're not really sure if that also plays a role. What about being tired or exhausted? So whenever like we're really tired or exhausted or if we're just like stressed out or haven't eaten enough, um, those type of things make us um, more likely to have really intense emotional reactions. So, you know, if you ever had a night where you didn't get enough sleep or you didn't get to eat breakfast, like maybe you're really like hangry and then you get more upset. And so we're also more likely to cry in those situations because we're not able to regulate our emotions as well.
0: Why do newborns not shed tears when they cry?
3: It has to do with their development. Um, like, they haven't fully developed their tear ducts yet. So that's why they're not able to have the, the visible tears yet in the first few weeks. But they do have the vocal cries. It's
0: completely different from what I thought. That's crazy.
3: What did you think?
0: Um, I thought it was something about how, like, they, were, they weren't crying for, like, emotions, but more like they were trying just to communicate something.
3: Yeah, well, that, that's a really good idea too, but. Also, when it only takes a few weeks for them to start having the visible tears, and at that point, they're still mostly crying just because they're like, you know, they need to be changed or they they need to eat something or those kind of things. And as we get older, we start crying for different reasons. So that's what little kids cry for. And then as you get older, maybe you're more likely to cry for things like physical pain when you're a young kid. And then as you get older, maybe things like feeling empathy for others or being sad about things going on in the world, you start having more of those type of crying reactions.
0: Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you. And thank you for all your great questions.
1: All right. It's time to go back to that mystery sound. Let's hear it again. And this time, it's expanded with something that may help you figure it out. <laughs> Any new guesses? Is it puppies? What do you think those puppies are doing? Playing something, maybe? Here with the answer is Tamash Faragu. He studies animal behavior in Budapest, Hungary, and he specifically studies
11: dogs. So that was a a dog whining.
1: Have you ever heard a dog do that before? No, I haven't. So I've heard it lots of times when uh, my parents' dog is begging for food at the table. That is the sound (laughs) he makes when he wants food. I've also heard it uh, when... You know, my friends have left the house and their dogs are whining for them to come back.
0: Sometimes I make that sound when I want food. (laughs) Um,
1: Like Lauren talked about earlier, there isn't strong evidence that animals shed tears when they cry. But they do produce vocal cries, like the sound of this dog's whine. When you hear a dog whine, it probably makes you think that it sounds sad. And dogs do make this kind of sound in situations where they are feeling distressed.
11: Mainly uh it is linked with uh, with negative inner states so uh like in separation or uh in in stressful anxious situations but it's also used in other situations too so originally when the pups have some problem they use a, a whining like uh, vocalization to get the attention of the of the mother and uh, probably this adult whining is is, uh, developing from this kind of vocalization. And these these have a really strong attention-getting function, and uh, these really high-pitched sounds are hard to ignore. They also use whining in greeting. Some of the dogs use uh, whining as a begging signal.
1: There are three kinds of
0: tears. Basil,
1: Those keep your eyes healthy and are present all the time. Reflex. Those protect your eyes from irritants. And emotional. The purpose of emotional tears is still a little bit of a mystery. But they seem to be connected to a feeling of helplessness and desire to be comforted by others. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is
0: produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom.
1: We had production help this week from Lauren D., John Lambert, and Erica Barris. And
0: engineering help from Sean Campbell, Corey Shrepel, Johnny Vince Evans, and Michael
1: Osborne. Many thanks to Blair and Damian Carroll, Steve Martin, Eric Ringham, Nancy Yang, Odd Fingerhoots, Chip Walton, Emily Allen, and Anna Reed.
0: Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um 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 Hi, my name is Quinn Stone from Sutton, Massachusetts. My question is, why do you sweat when you get nervous?
10: Uh, So my name is Yana Kambaroff, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Genetics at the University of Pennsylvania. We sweat when we get nervous because the part of the brain that senses emotion uh, is largely what's controlling the sweat glands in your palms and in the soles of your feet. Um, And in part, that has to do with, we think, with how sweat glands evolved in the first place, which is when we look at species of animals outside of humans and outside of our closest primate relatives, sweat glands are only found on the palms and the soles of the feet. And there, they serve a role in traction. So how much contact do you have with the surface that you're walking on? And you can think about, you know, when you're scared, you wanna, you wanna run, you wanna run away, you wanna um, have some contact with the surface you're walking on. And imagine if your palms are completely dry and putting your hand across a, a surface, you're just gonna slide off. You need a little bit of liquid there, you need a little bit of water to help you stick give you a little more traction, control how much friction you have with the surface you're walking on. So that might be why we sweat uh, in our palms uh, and the soles of our feet when we get nervous. And it's actually, that's termed emotional sweating, which is very different in terms of how it's controlled from the sweating that we do when we get hot. It's controlled by a different part of the brain, by the hypothalamus, which is sensing your core body temperature and your skin temperature.
1: It's no sweat for me to breeze through this list of names. This is the most recent group of kids to be added to the Brain's honor roll. They keep this show going with their questions, energy, and ideas. Russell from Burlington, Ontario. Tyler from Otago, New Zealand. Mia from Memphis, Tennessee. Juliana and Jillian from Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Jude from Eschenbach, Germany. Matteo and Nathaniel from Truckee, California. Sophia and Ellie from Santa Rosa, California. Hannah Marie from Edmond, Oklahoma. Luca from Port Perry, Ontario. Oliver and Nolan from Santa Rosa, California. Nicholas and Michael from Saratoga Springs, New York. Fox, Weston, and Lena from Owings, Maryland. Ben and Ryan from Georgia. Quinn and Damien from Minneapolis. Addison from Calgary, Alberta. Levi, Jane, and Adam from Knoxville, Tennessee Desi from Snoqualmie, Washington Sophia from Louisville, Kentucky Easton from San Francisco Emerson from Torrance, California Sydney from Long Beach, California Milo from Brooklyn, New York Lily from Milledgeville, Georgia Isabella from Irving, Texas Salome and Silas from St. Paul, Minnesota Randall from Gold Bar, Washington Ava and Grant from St. Paul, Minnesota Sophia from Grand Rapids, Michigan Leah from Mountain View, California Rosa from Yarraville, Australia David and Lillian from Bolingbrook, Illinois Jamie and Taylor from Stewart's Draft, Virginia Austin and Lauren from Raleigh, North Carolina Carolina, Becca and Briley from Murray, Utah, Eric, Theodore, and Vincent from Long Beach, California, Gibson from Kensington, California, Luke, Emily, and Zach from Costa Mesa, California, Ellie from Palo Alto, California, Maya from Cape Town, South Africa, Kennedy from Tampa, Florida, Vivian from Walpole, Massachusetts, Malona and Hunter from Kailua, Hawaii, Zeno from Verese, Italy, Lucia from San Francisco, Grady and Emily from Redwood City, California, Vivian from Manassas, Virginia, Andres and Ana Laura from Costa Rica, Caleb and Christian from Puerto Rico, Lucas from Becker, Minnesota, and Calvin and James from Oak Park,
5: Illinois.
1: We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.